0: But if it's self-reliant, then God owes it. This is the language that he says. God, the Father, owes it to his son to end your ministry. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Knee Shall Bow. I love the name of that podcast. I love the title. Every Knee Shall Bow. Our goal is to get people to voluntarily bow before Christ before they are required to Bell before in the final judgment. Um, so I'm Michael Gormley, coordinator of evangelization at my parish and owner
1: of the website layevangelist.com. And I'm joined with my co host, David. Dave Van Vickle. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be an awesome episode because uh, we're actually going to talk about the heart yes. of evangelization here. The heart. One might heart. even say <laughs> the core. Uh, what we're talking about today is what it means to be a good witness and what it means to be a proper missionary okay, and, and, and developing a really a missionary spirituality, okay, because what we're talking about here is um, is not something that you can really learn in a class. You can't necessarily just learn some techniques and things like that, because as Pope Paul VI said, we are not the primary agent in evangelization. We are not the primary agent of evangelization, thank God, okay? And what we're talking about today is really making sure that our life reflects the fact that we we want to be a gospel to the world. We want to be a good good news to the world so that uh, within our own lives they can see the world can see that yes Jesus Christ is active in our life, uh, that Jesus Christ has made a difference, that uh, Jesus Christ is is continuing to change us and to heal our hearts and to change who we are. and also that we understand that when it comes to us, it, the words we say mean very little. It's it's the action of the Holy Spirit in in the heart of of the person that we're trying to reach that really makes it come about. And so I want to just I wanna throw out this quote here as we as we start to talk about this topic. This is from a book called The Soul of the Apostolate. Okay. The Soul of the Apostolate. And yeah, what you need to do right now is pause the episode. Go right now and and order this book. Okay. And 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 if you have other books on evangelization on your shelf, when this book comes in, you put that on top and you read this first, okay? Th- th- thank you, thank you, God. This is one of the first books I read after my conversion, and it's really uh, guided me since then, okay? And, and just in the very first uh, little section here, he says, this apostolic flame has been handed on by our Lord to his church. He's talking about, right, the fact that The apostolic flame means to go out and to share uh, the good news, to spread the kingdom of heaven, okay? This apostolic flame, he says, This apostolic flame has been handed on by our Lord to his church, which is the gift of his love, which continues his life, shows forth his truth, shines out with his holiness, and then he says this. This is important. The mystic spouse of Christ, glowing with the same ardor, keeps up through the centuries the apostolic work of her divine Model, Okay, now who keeps up the apostolic work of her divine model? The mystic spouse of Christ. And brothers and sisters, it's a little scary, but that's you and I, okay, uh, for a long time in the church there's been a kind of a separation right and and especially even in even in spiritual theology for a while there was this separation between what they called like the ordinary way and the extraordinary way and people believe that look mysticism mystical prayer uh, a, a real like deep prayer life, like what we see in the saints that's for priests nuns hermits monks and that is a lie straight from the pits of hell Brothers and sisters, we are all called to be mystics, and really uh, the only success we're going to have in apostolate and in evangelization is by recognizing that that is the true work that we need to do. That every day we need to cooperate with the grace of God to change ourselves and to really uh, become a fitting witness of the message that's been handed to us. And to realize that the Holy Spirit is always working so that we can kind of watch where the Holy Spirit is moving and find what part we play in, in this whole uh, building of the kingdom. Yeah,
0: you you can't, you can't cannot understate the importance of the soul of the apostolate. And so for me, um, he does this brilliant thing where he opens up the book with God wants good works, right? He talks about how the divine life wants to be effused through all of our lives and all this beautifulness over and over again god wants the liberality of good works and all of this stuff and then right at the end of this opening chapter whatever it is he says but <laughs> but more than just us doing good works god wants holiness within ourselves who are doing the good works so it's like this this huge thing about god wanting us to go and you know serve the poor and do all this stuff but You know, you have that St. Paul thing that says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Right. And then Dom Shoutar, the author, says, that does not exempt us from what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul. You know, and so it's this notion of, oh, my goodness, I can get so caught up in the works of God that I completely lose the God who works. Right. And my fundamental thing, so I was a youth minister for 10 years, adult faith formation for four years, uh, tried to start my own, (laughs) my own ministry. I tell people I was self-employed, but really I was just unemployed. Um, Layevangelist.com. But through that, through that, there was this tendency within me to not pray. Like my prayer was nothing other than a bookend. Right. Right. Like, uh, okay, I'll just do this real quick. I denied. I thought I, I was literally doing this. I was relying on my own gifts and talents to carry the day. One hundred percent to carry the day. It happens all the time. This is common. This is this is I I would say it's the default. Right. It is. Yeah. It is the majority of us. And the whole point is, the guy say, essentially, this is what he calls the heresy of good works. That you can have all the good deeds that you're doing, but if it's self reliant, then God owes it. This is the language that he says. God the Father owes it to His Son to end your ministry. Right. And I think about that when I'm looking around at the church today, right? You look around at the church today and you see all this crisis and calamity. Oh, jeez. yeah. God does not want, he owes it to the sacred heart of his son to shut down those things that are done by our power and not his. It's almost as if we're saying, all right, God, just don't put up any obstacles and sit back and just watch yeah, what right. I can do. That's one of the quotes that he uses. And, uh, and it reminds me of the book of Revelation where, Jesus has John the seer write down these letters to seven churches, and he ends it with, he goes from the mild to church at Ephesus to the severe of the church in Laodicea, and he ends it all with this statement like, you know, repent, change, or I will yeah. remove your lampstand, and every single one of them, right? they had their lampstands removed, you know, like the church is not guaranteed to last forever in America, and if we forsake the bridegroom, he's going he's gonna to remove it right and so that that i think is so essential if you are not praying you need to quit your job
1: yeah and I, I think like you know something you said it's the default option right now and i think what we're seeing is like a hyper extension of this in the church in america where administration has become like the the model of all church ministry, right? Like yeah. you, when, when you're looking for like a DRE, yeah. you're looking for someone like, Oh, who's like really good with spreadsheets and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> and it's like, that is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's scary. It's scary to think about, um, you know, not, not, and not to say that there aren't DREs out there whose, whose ministry is founded in prayer there. There certainly are. Oh yeah. Uh, but it, it, for a long time in the church, it became that, that that was the model you know that uh, you're looking for someone really organized.
0: Yeah, Thomas Aquinas says that when you're the qualities you're looking for a bishop is prudence and stewardship first, holiness second. Yeah. Okay? And I think that what ends up happening is we look for
1: administrative skills first, first, and yeah. then that's it. <laughs> this is this is what's interesting about this this topic, okay, is that you could literally be a terrible evangelist. Yeah. You could. You could be a terrible evangelist technique-wise and programmatically, right? But if you are living as a mystic, right, if you're living a, a life of holiness where the Trinity is allowed to change you, to come into you continually, that is the model that God chooses to communicate his son to the world, okay? And for, for you know, I, I don't know when, but uh, the church has always used uh, the Annunciation as the model for how God communicates himself to the world. And so you have like an Annunciation pedagogy, right? This idea that that we should learn from uh, the story of the Annunciation, right? That Mary hears the word of God from the angel, that she assents to the word of God, Jesus comes within her, and she communicates Jesus to the world. Oh, and awesome. this is what we're talking about today. It's like real simple, right? This idea that we're going to hear God's word let it change our lives. Let Jesus be inside of us and we communicate Jesus to the world.
0: And let's not forget the importance of this message of physician, heal thyself, right? You cannot give Christ if you do not have Christ. Right. What we're trying to do is set souls on fire out of love for God and bring them into union with God for all eternity. Right. There is no other path than through God to give God. Right. We don't want people to belong to our political party, right? right. Like, I don't. Who cares? But sometimes we treat it right, like that. Right. Yeah. And the cool, the cool thing about it is um, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his public ministry in Luke's gospel in his hometown of Nazareth. He reads the scroll of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Good news meaning gospel. Right. And then he ends it and he says, this day scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Everyone loves them. And then they're like, wait, isn't this Joseph's son? How can he be this prophet or right. teacher or whatever? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal, heal yourself. yourself. And that's so crucial to understand. At the beginning of the public ministry, at the beginning mm-hmm. of proclaiming the good news, you have to stop and say, all right, good physician, eternal Christ <laughs> right, right now, right. enter into my life, heal me. Because the problem is, the other thing is we have people, uh, there's a running joke that we say. uh It's not the new evangelization unless someone's making money off the new evangelization. (laughs) That's so awful. But there are people who bring that business and organizational expertise, not that that shouldn't be a part of it, but that they bring that as, and they can hide their sin behind the veneer of marketing. And I I just want to caution anyone who is a professional church worker, someone who has their own side hustle, you know, where they're going out and giving talks like, like me and Dave do all the time that it you are duty bound you are obligated to not just create a veneer right. of christianity but to to let christ heal you right. on the inside
1: out yeah and to let the word inform what you're about to do i i i say all the time gomer is you know he's like one of these a list speakers right he can he can hold the stage at like the large catholic conferences right okay i i'm like a z or something like that and i always say like yeah, I mean, I'd love to have a keynote speech, but you're crazy to let me have a keynote speech. I've never given, given the same talk twice in my life, you know. Uh because I, and and I like it that way, right? I don't I, when I go up there, I know about 40% of what I'm I want to say because I've been praying about it. The rest I'm just trying to let the Lord Mold, you know the words, and I think it puts me in a position where, look, I'm I'm not I'm not eloquent, I'm not wise. I have to just rely on the Holy Spirit, and I think it puts me in a position of of humility. Actually, so the the bottom line is what 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 we're trying to say is that there is prep work you need to be doing in order for evangelization to be effective in any way whatsoever. And what we want to get across to you is this idea that you may think. Maybe your ministry or your postulate, maybe a parish that you attend, maybe a, a ministry that you attend often is extremely successful because the fruit that you see. But the truth is, if it's not rooted in an interior life, there is no success. No matter what you see, wouldn't you say, Gomer, I mean, it's very misleading today, Yeah, I'd say.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 100% in agreement, right? Physician, heal yourself. You want to proclaim the good news. You want to be an evangelist, It's not just that you have to agree with the church's teaching. It's not just that you have to know the charisma and how to preach the gospel and all this stuff. It's not just that you have skills and eloquent wisdom and all of that. It's not that you can quote von Balthasar or Ronner or whatever school you belong to. The reality is that the Christ you love who has converted you is calling you to this. And it can't go any further. Uh, It has to start fully with that. Allow yourself to be converted and allow that notion that prayer is first to be the thing that carries the day all right we're going to take a little bit of a break right now and come back to the second half of the show you're listening to every knee shall bow Right, coming back with you, we want to talk about something else along the lines of "Physician, heal thyself." So, before you preach, you have to be converted, and before you can, and before you preach, you also have to be praying, praying, praying. Right? Well, the next thing is we all have to realize that as a preacher, as a teacher, whatever we want to call it, um, we are being held to a higher standard. Okay, so there are a lot of people who want to be speaking. Oh no, everybody does. Dave, do you get stopped by people saying how? I do what you do.
1: I mean, it's a constant thing, you know, and I always say like, you know, it's, it just happened to me organically. So just wait for someone to just ask you to do something and then it'll take off. But actually I get asked so often about the exorcism like, how do I assist? How can I help assist? I feel like God's calling me that, that like the girl who assists me has an email that she just copies and pastes to that for that answer. <laughs> like it comes in so often, you know, that people want that, but they don't realize what it's, what it's really like, you know, but, but the truth is, is that everyone has that desire. And so they see this and they're like, Oh, I really want to yeah. do this. Um, and you know, it's, I always say, if you want to do this, Pray, pray a lot, yeah. pray a lot, pray a lot, and it'll happen organically, yeah. you know? Yeah,
0: so my big thing, I'll never forget, one day I'm in the middle of doing a parish mission. The church is packed. It's a Midwestern church. It is packed. And My parish missions are never packed, right? It's always the same, you know, 100, 200 people that go to everything. This thing is packed. It was awesome. They did a really great job with the kind of the marketing and all this stuff for it. A man in the front row all three days. And on the last day, I said, let's just open it up to a and a uh, What do you got? Now, that's always dangerous. Yeah, right. But this guy, hand up in the air, couldn't wait to talk. And I would go, yes, sir. I was like, you've been here all three nights. I, whoa, what, what question do you got? He said, this might seem a little crazy, <laughs> but how can I do what you oh, do? Gosh. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, how can I be a
1: speaker like you?
0: And I was like, oh, God. And I was like, better start eating, and I just walked away. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, like, people want the external thing that without realizing that you are going to be held. You might have the talent to give a talk. That's great, right? That's great. But, I mean, here's a quote from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, for you know that he, we who teach shall be judged with greater strictness. For we all make many mistakes, and if anyone makes no mistakes in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body also. If we put bits into the mouths of horses that they may obey as we guide their whole body. So if you think about this from this perspective, I, I barely have any self-control. But here I am in front of a large group of people. Now, I, last night was a perfect example. I am teaching a class on the communion of saints to a, um, to a group of Protestants who are so antithetical to that that they are in a a respectful way combative right that's when you start getting stressed out when you're perfect teaching that you think you've answered every question yeah and and then all of a sudden they have these zingers that you're like i'm not prepared for this that's when the very human nature of you takes over and you want to give an answer even if it's not the right one and all this stuff right right right. this is the discipline and the the strictness of of teaching you know um it, it it is not an easy thing it's not just about like giving the actual talk um you have to realize that number one the the church has always held teachers in a special place for the growth of the church
1: so you have to be called to this yeah because you're going to be held accountable i don't know what are your thoughts yeah no i i, I agree and i i just want to say like if you have a passion to evangelize, you—it's probably not a passion to speak. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To be honest with you, I'm not even sure if I've ever had new audience members in the parish missions I do. They might just go from parish to parish to hear me. The same 70 old women who come to all my missions—I think just travel around the United States and and hear me. It's just, it, they seem like the same people. <laughs> I mean, in all in all seriousness, think about what what we're talking about here. Is that for someone to come out to something like a parish mission or a class? on a Wednesday night you're talking about probably a saint you know a holy holy person evangelization is about people whose souls have been marginalized they are they're they're in in danger and so it's really important that you understand if you're called to evangelize it's probably going to be more about what you do in your workplace than than making evangelization your work and i also think uh it's really important to understand that you know, so many of us are edified by great speakers. You know, and I know I'm sure Gomers had this experience where when you meet them in person and you're thinking like, "Oh, I'm going to meet Mother Teresa," and it's not Mother Teresa. You know, and I think that that's really a call to to us, like that we have to make sure that we are a fitting witness in our personal life, but also for you to understand that. To be a good Catholic doesn't mean you're a good speaker. (laughs) Your heroes are dead. Your heroes
0: are dead.
1: (laughs) Um, One of the things that
0: I wanted to point out is um, from 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be urgent in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, and exhort, be unfailing in patience and in teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves, teachers to suit their own likings and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you, always be steady, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, the amazing thing about understanding this in first Timothy, St. Paul says, uh, talking about all these false teachers. And he says, Uh, who promote speculations rather than the divine training that is in the faith. Um, People will accumulate teachers for themselves that tell them what they want to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the the next reason why teaching and preaching and doing the big talks and all this stuff, and we have to talk about this because so many people, they see us on a stage and they want to be on a stage. It is so easy if that's your motivation to pervert the gospel. Right. It is so easy to do that, and once people get caught up in that mentality, you are going to be judged by how you have taught people, and St. Paul calls it the divine training that is in faith, right? So people want—they will—I mean, the Joel Osteens is a reason why a prosperity gospel health and wealth preacher— has a huge amphitheater yeah hundred thousand people right yeah because people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own likings right so we have to deliver the hard truths i remember one time i was in boston doing this weird side event usually i go up the same group of people that that dave goes with and uh, but i was it was totally unrelated to that group of people and i'm going into a parish it's confirmation no one wants to be there it's 2006 sex abuse scandal the spotlight scandal going strong oh, yeah. and right before i walk out there the the priest says to me you can talk about anything you want except two things don't talk about the sex abuse scandal and don't talk about contraception i was like what why and he goes because they are so angry about the abuse that they'll probably get up and leave and it's the number one teaching that no one falls oh my gosh right so i get up there and i have an hour and i spend 45 minutes talking about the pre-sex abuse scandal and contraception, but from the perspective of the cross, right? And I had people coming up to me being like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I have never heard that, right? Yeah, you know, it's this thing, it's like we're accumulating for ourselves, even, even fear for teachers, right yeah we're afraid to talk about these things but we have no idea that these are the very things that are the healing balm for the souls of those out. oh
1: yeah it's that's a you know i'm so glad you just read that scripture verse because i was thinking about this the other day you know you you pointed out like so the the talk that i give all over right it's it's weird it's called the catholic truth about angels demons ghosts exorcisms and hauntings okay and (laughs) they're behind you yeah right and it's a two-hour event because i do an hour and 15 minute class, and then 45 minutes of questions, okay? And it's amazing to me the questions that people will ask and that they already have an answer for. They're looking for an affirmation of of from me, yeah. and if I do not affirm it, like, probably the next day I'll get, like, three emails of, like, they've done, like, research on the internet of, like, other Catholics who say what I, differently than what I said because they want to keep this in their life or something <laughs> like that. And I want to say to them, like, you know, this is I'm not just making this stuff yeah. up. Like this is serious stuff. Like I know that it can hurt people and you're just bringing out who you want to affirm whatever you believe. And I think that this idea that that they're going to find teachers who affirm what they already believe is important that we understand that we have to preach the gospel in truth and and in and comprehensively, but it's really also important that we look at the teachers that we go to in our own lives because Every single one of us, every single one of us, has things in our life that are keeping us from the Absolutely. Lord, and that we look for teachers to affirm. You know, we look for teachers to affirm, and it's it's very difficult to not do that in your life, and that's why it's really important to you know to really uh, have an objective view of yourself and and really look at yourself through God's eyes. Where am I doing well, and where am I failing?
0: Uh, Saint Peter says. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Think about that in terms of not just secretly bring in destructive heresies, but accidentally bring in (laughs) destructive heresies because the teachers you don't know because the teachers that we accumulate for ourselves this is one of the reasons why in the catholic church we have things like tradition and we have things like doctors of the church it's not that the doctors of the church are infallible but they are like giant tent poles that uphold the teaching of the church that we can you know constantly be renewed by like you are uh reading saint augustine and all that stuff you know staying close with the fathers of the church i'm plowing through a whole bunch of saint thomas aquinas right now it's not because i think that they are infallible like sacred scripture it's because that they have applied consistently scripture to their lives
1: so so interestingly did you read this article they did a survey of uh yeah i I don't remember what denomination it was but these were educated christians and they said here are the two questions they said jesus christ was the greatest thing god ever created (laughs) right so this is what they said and and they said 74 percent of the people who took the survey strongly agreed strongly agreed with that statement gomer 16 percent did not believe it for the opposite reason that they don't believe like they didn't believe that god that he was the greatest creature that god (laughs) ever created so so these are people like educated christians affirming that jesus was created are you kidding me like come on this is this is like earliest creed kind of stuff, right? I mean, this is why it's important.
0: God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. Right.
1: I mean, this this is why it's important that we understand that we have to be fitting messengers of the gospel yeah. and that we understand what we're saying because it, it can get very slippery that both in the sense that we're not morally, we're not living the right life and we're not good witnesses, but also just by mistake that we're We're saying things, you know, that we shouldn't be.
0: Yeah. So false teachers are a real thing. Don't be one. (laughs) Don't be one. Don't be one. All right. Now we're going to
1: let us know if we become. one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right now, what we're going to do is transition into the wrap up part. I love this part, man. This part is killing me. Yeah, it
1: rocks me. Yeah, right.
0: it is killing me. You're
1: killing me with these. Yeah, you're such a baby about this. Things that
0: I'm sure you do in your sleep.
1: No, no. I, I, I. The reading the gospel in one sitting has had a major effect on my life. How, now, how often have you done that? So I do it once a week. You read an entire gospel in one sitting once a week. Once a week. Well, sometimes two sittings, but yeah, at least in a day. Lord have mercy i don't do oh, anything stop.
0: like that that is awesome i mean i
1: shouldn't say i don't do anything like yeah that. because you're but no this is this is the thing though is that you have like a, a you know superior intellect that's true that's true right so you read it yeah. and you're. but for me i need these little things <laughs> <laughs> so let's go on
0: let's go on i repent i repent of my inability to do it in one sitting but speaking of <laughs> repentance here's our first practical takeaway i want you to understand what repentance is a lot of Catholics, right, they don't think they need to repent. They just go to confession when instead repentance is what should drive us to the confessional, right? It's not the confessional doesn't remove the need to repent. Right. And so what I want to say to you, one of the most beautiful things in the catechism is in part two, section two on the seven sacraments, go to the sacrament of reconciliation and penance and read the, the, the article on interior penance which is repentance. another name for repentance, right? Just read that. It is so beautiful that I literally was asked to do a Lenten reflection at my parish, and I just read the catechism, and our, one of our facilities people who, can't, who can barely speak English, she's a lot better now, but then she was, she was rough, she was weeping. It is a beautifully written and needs to be recovered interior penance, sorrow for my sin in my heart, before I confess that sin in the confessional. So read
1: the catechism on interior penance. Boom. Uh, Number two, okay, you know, one of the things that we don't talk a lot about in the church anymore, but they used to talk about this all the time, is the idea of self-knowledge, self-knowledge, okay? Uh, This is really important that we know what we are and who we are and how we're doing and how we're not doing well and all these things. Okay, And so what we're going to ask you to do is to add into your day what we call the daily examine the daily examine or daily examination of conscience, okay. Almost all the saints, right? I, I'm I'm a huge saint nerd. You're not going to find a whole lot of saints that didn't have this part of their life—a <laughs> daily examination of conscience. Right. And so, uh, you could look it up on the internet and see what a daily examine is if you want to take a look at it. Saint Ignatius, exa- uh, you know, recommends a, a method and everything, but I'm, just real quickly, this is an easy way to do it. Sit down at night, at the end of the night. Say a little prayer, ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten you, and reflect on how you've responded to God's grace during the day. Just reflect on the positive things, what you've done to uh, strengthen your relationship with God, but then also reflect on the negative things, right? Those things that we've fallen short on. Um, and you might want to use an examination of conscience that you can get off the internet. What I like to do is, you know, print off like 20 and just switch between them because they're all different. And they all have little, you know, different things. And so uh, they can kind of remind you. Some of them have like different focuses and things like yeah. that. But just every night, I'd say five minutes, five minutes maybe, just a quick prayer before you go to bed. It could even just be in your bed. You know, you're just praying there. Just ask the Lord to reveal to you, you know, how you're doing and take a look at the ways you've responded to God's grace and the ways that you have fallen short.
0: My uh, number three is very, very simple. Read Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, God, in your goodness, and your abundant compassion, blot out my offense. The famous Psalm of King David when accused by the prophet Nathan for Murdering Uriah and sleeping with his wife, and all that. It is a beautiful psalm of repentance. Have mercy on me, God, in your goodness and your abundant compassion. Blot out my offense. So, read Psalm 51. That's very simple, right? So, I, I got you reading stuff, right? Yeah. So, read Psalm 51, but
1: read it, like we said, with Acts 2, read it prayerfully. Number four, number four, practical takeaway. Gomer talked about how he does a parish mission called the One Thing. It'll change your life. You should bring him into your parish for sure. <laughs> the One Thing. What he's talking about is that one thing that keeps us from God. Like, what is that one thing in your life that is keeping you from God? Okay. In the old days, they used to call it a besetting sin. What is that one thing? Yeah. Every one of us uh, makes gods out of all kinds of things in our life. Could be sports. Could be work. Could be money. Could be this. Could be that. Could be relationships. What is the one thing? The major thing that is standing in the way of your relationship with God, okay? And when you've identified that one thing prayerfully, what I want you to do is to look at it intentionally about getting it out of our life. It's so easy in the church to just have sin be a part of our life and confession be a regular part of our life as well, where we just we know it's going to continue for the next 20 years. We're just going to keep confessing this sin. No more. That shouldn't happen. Physician, heal thyself, right? means we have to be serious. We have to be serious about the sin in our life, and we have to take an intentional look at how we can stop committing those sins or or how we can put God first. So what I want you to do is make a little plan, uh, an actual, you know, real plan to try and stop that one thing uh, that is keeping you from the Lord. That's awesome.
0: That is awesome. And yes, it is an awesome parish mission. Uh, Lastly, so number five is go to confession. Go to confession. And don't just commit uh, or confess the sins that you've committed. But in your examine, uh, in your examination of conscience, say, why do I commit those sins? So St. Francis de Sales, greatest spiritual director in the history of the church, in his introduction to the devout life, says, when you find yourself committing the same sins over and over again, ask yourself why those sins. Okay? And I can tell you, that has changed so many people right. who— feel like confession is you bring out the old laundry list. I was speeding. I told a white lie, right? And then it's like, okay, well, why why do you keep lying? Right. Why do you keep telling these small little lies that don't even matter? Why are you betraying your Christian dignity for the sake of a small little lie? And then you begin to say, okay, well what is it beneath that? And that's when you can get into very human things like father wounds and family of origin baggage. You can get into spiritual things like um you know, maybe you have, uh, maybe you dabbled in the occult or something like that and you were filled with anxiety or whatever it is, whatever it is, get to the root and not just the fruit of that sin. And it rhymes. So, you know, it's true.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're starting to get to actual healing and not just, not just like kind of kicking the can down the road, real healing. Exactly. Those are five super practical things that you would not know. If you saw that list, if you found it in the back of a church, you would have no idea that that list had to do with evangelization. But the truth is, it so does. This is the secret, the heart, the soul of the apostolate, to steal the, 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 the name of the book, is an interior life. We can have no success without a relationship with Jesus Christ and without uh, a prayerful look at the scriptures and letting that, that word dwell within us.
0: So I'm Mike Gormley, joined with Dave Van Vickle, and this is Every Knee Shall Bow. God bless.